Welcome to Raw Relationships, the podcast that keeps relationships real and wonderful. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. Welcome to my podcast. Today we are talking with Dr. John McGrail. He is a renowned hypnotherapist, self-improvement expert, relationship and performance coach, and spirituality teacher. He has helped thousands of clients and students from all walks of life create change, growth, and personal transformation through his clinical practice, workshops, and seminars. He is a leading uh, media expert on personal growth, and his writing and expertise has been featured, featured in many print and online publications, including Time, Reader's Digest, U.S. News and World Report, Cosmopolitan, Red Book, Self, the Chicago Tribune, and the list just goes on and on and on and on and on. He's very sought after. So I am so, so, so um, excited to talk to Dr. John uh, McGrail. He does reside in Los Angeles, California. His company is called A Better You Incorporated, and he can be reached at 1-800-369-1516, or you can get him through his websites. So without further ado, let's bring him on now. Welcome, John, to the podcast. Thank you so much for uh, being with us tonight. Well, thank you, Melissa. I very much appreciate the invitation. You're welcome. So tell us about your book, The Synthesis Effect. I was reading up on it on your website, and uh, I'm definitely going to be um, ordering a copy as soon as I can here. Um, our interview was a little too quick, so I couldn't read it before. Uh, but tell us about that, and, and also tell us about you while you're at it. Okay, thank you. Well, to start with, the book is um, really the product of many years of work and research in my private clinical practice. When I was trying to figure out what to write my doctoral dissertation on and coming up with no ideas, it dawned on me at one point that I had over a thousand case files in front of me. And I just had this, this moment, you know, one of those inspirational moments when I said to myself, what if you just went through and analyzed these cases and, mm-hmm. and see if you can find some common denominators between the people who do really well, those patients that, I, that, that just thrive, and the ones that do okay but take longer, and those fortunately very few, there aren't many, that didn't do well. See if you can find some common threads. And so I did, and, and, and I did. I found some common denominators, some, some commonalities in those different populations. And that's what led to developing what I call my synthesis process, which I then incorporated once I got the models built and the process and, and the procedures. I started using it with all my people, all my clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, it became my doctoral dissertation, which was approved, fortunately. And then I had so many clients say, you know, you've got to write a book about this. It's unbelievable. I feel so great so fast. I, I just don't understand it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I thought about it, and I thought, well, yeah, why not? Maybe I could take this dissertation, which is impossible to read, and make it something that people would actually enjoy reading. And in the process, help them uh, understand that they have the ability of changing their lives in any way they wish. And that's really what the, how the book came about. 
and I'm, I'm gratified to, to know that um, it has helped many, many people. The reviews have been terrific, and um, I, I use the process to, to this day. I, it's still evolving. But that's essentially mm-hmm. how the book came about. And I'm sort of a, uh, a product of a process like that myself. I've had many careers, uh, all really enjoyable and successful, and they all at one point led to this defining moment of my life where I realized that I, I wanted to do something more than I had mm-hmm. done, and, and that's what led me going back to school to first practice hypnotherapy and then eventually you know, do what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. That's inspiring, um, I think, for everyone out there, too. And, and I can kind of relate with you. I'm, I'm very much the same. I'm very much, you know, I can do something for so long, but there just seems to always be more, you know, there's something more out there. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. uh, so that's, and since I, I made this career choice about 16 years ago, I, I like to tell people I have not worked a day since because I absolutely feel like I'm serving my purpose. I love getting up every morning. I love my clients and, and everything that's attached to it. So it's been a really wonderful adventure for me. Mm-hmm. So with your, um, like I know you do some some life coaching, um, do you use this, this um, program with your, with your clients then? Oh, absolutely. I use it with okay. uh, every client every day, get some part of it. And mm-hmm. there are many aspects of the process, but, but yeah, I use it with my coaching clients. I use it with my hypnotherapy clients. I use it with my, uh, my spirituality students, the people who come to me to, to learn more about spirituality, my couples that I coach. Uh, it, it's, the beauty of it is that it's applicable to any behavioral, emotional, or spiritual change and development that you want to make. Right, and uh, you know it's funny you kind mm-hmm. of put spirituality in with in with everything um, because I'm the same. I don't think like it's not just emotion, and you know all the. It seems like spirituality isn't putting into it, but it needs to be, um, and I think that's kind of part of uh, like how I feel is that's what keeps you having faith is by having uh, knowing that there's a higher power or a you know something greater than us out there mm-hmm. and that to me would be energy right um, energy could be in many different forms and it seems like not too many coaches um, kind of put that in the mix Yes, and it's a shame because, you know, we have the science behind it now, this energy that we call spirit and this greater force, whatever you want to call it, uh, has been proven scientifically to exist. The substrate or the basis of the entire universe and everything that exists within it is this Mm -hmm. infinite field of energy that apparently has an intelligence behind it, and we are part of it, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And many people are afraid of it, and they try to deny it. We are spiritual beings. And so if you don't include that part of us, which is the biggest part of us, in a yeah. coaching practice or a therapeutic practice or, or a process, then you're doing a disservice to, to the client because there, that is really the key to transcending these issues, these problems that are holding us back. And it doesn't matter what they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, like, it's easy to put out that negative energy as well. Like, I find people that are kind of afraid of it or whatever, they tend to put out a more negative energy, and then they attract that 
to themselves, right? It's kind of like a boomerang, <laughs> boomerang effect. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, we know that the law of attraction, which has become very popular over the years, uh, particularly in books and films like uh, The Secret, which I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with, and The Secret, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion, my humble opinion, did a terrible job of discussing the law of attraction because they left out so much. But um, yeah. whether we like it or not, energy flows along lines of attraction. You know, there's an old yeah. saying that everybody's heard, birds and a feather flock together. So if you are essentially professing a negative energy, then you're going to attract more of it back. And the biggest part of the synthesis process is teaching people how to shift the way they use their energy Mm -hmm. so that you begin to attract what you want instead of what you don't want. And that's the essence of of it. The law of attraction is a scientific law. Energy flows along lines of attraction. So if you want to have better relationships, if you want to do, make more money and get a better job, it doesn't really matter what it is. Uh, stop being so shy, build self-confidence, and then you have to begin to project that energy out so that you can attract it back. Once people yeah. learn how to do that, this, the sky's yeah. the limit. Yeah, well, and I think, you know, for some things, it's easier said than done. You know, like I know for myself, um, I I totally believe in manifesting and the law of attraction. I just actually had a a friend of mine. um, She was having an issue with her ex-husband, and she had posted a bunch of his text messages on Facebook. And I was like, oh, why would you do that? You know, like, (laughs) for me, I could never do something like that. But she did. And, And being that I'm a friend, I said, why did you do that? And I asked her. And she said, well, I was just upset. And then she sent me another text and said, you know, I got this one, but I'm not going to post it because my son's on my Facebook. And I said, well, that's good. You know, don't do that. And sure enough, today I seen she had posted it. And I was like, I actually I messaged her. I said, I thought you said you weren't going to do that. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I was, I'm angry. I deleted the whole post now, she says. And I'm like, I tried to explain to her, you're projecting that out. So you keep doing that, you're going to keep getting that, you know, you can't do this. You have to just ignore it and just pretend it's not there. (laughs) It's what you have to do because you just create more of it. Right. So, yeah. And it's funny how as humans, it's almost like our first instinct, you know, we get angry. We let the emotion um, take over our fingers clicking, you know, like take over our body, really, and and it's scary. But I think, you know, like how you got your book, having a process um, to stop that in its tracks when it does come up, because it will, you know, that that's very helpful to people. Right, and when we're in those situations, when we're angry about something and we let our emotions run wild, essentially what's happening is that we're letting our ego get the best of us. And the ego is, you know, generated in the subconscious part of the mind, not the conscious part of the mind. And what a lot of people don't realize is that um, it's three years old, and that's about as sophisticated as the subconscious mind ever gets. And so when we allow that to happen, we are letting the three-year-old inside of us take over. (laughs) Not a good idea. No. No, and and there's, you know, something can't hack, you know, especially on the Internet because, <laughs> you know, if somebody takes a screenshot of it and it's, even if you deleted it afterwards, it's still out there. Right. 
Yeah, it's definitely a, an interesting. Um, I I watched your videos. Um, was kind of in my research um, for interviewing you, and I remember seeing a video uh, based on communication. How how you broke down um, texting, for example, compared to talking to a person in in real life. Could you just talk about that a little bit? Because I qu- found it quite interesting, the, the numbers of percentage of, of the things we need. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, and a lot of people don't realize this. I have so many couples work with nowadays with relationship coaching. And, you know, because technology is what it is, it's very easy to, to communicate via text or email. And what a lot, of people, a lot of people don't realize, in fact, people are conducting or trying to conduct relationships via texting. Um, in a piece of communication... Especially the young generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In any piece of communication, if you were to have it like a pie, um, the words, the actual words that you use is only 7% of the message. And right. so when you're texting or emailing, you are sending the person only 7% of your message which means they have to interpret and infer 93% of the message, and that's a lot of room for error. If you're on the phone, then they get the second piece, which is what we call the nonverbal language, the tone, the timber, the volume. Like I could say something like, you know, Melissa, I love you so much, or I could say, oh, Melissa, I love you. Now, I'm saying yeah. exactly the same words, but the subtext, the, the nonverbal language behind those, that sentence depending on how I say it, it's very different. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it, at least on the phone, you get another 38% of the message. So if you're talking on the telephone, you are giving and sending 45% of the message. 55% of every piece of communication is nonverbal. It's physiological. It's body language. And most of that is taking place at a very, very subtle level, at a level that we're not even aware of for most people. And that is where most of the meaning in a piece of communication comes from. So if you're conducting a relationship via text that's not going well, it's because you are both leaving 93% of the message out. And I'm sorry, folks, emojis don't cut it. They, do, they are not a replacement. <laughs> yeah, totally agree, even though I love using them, but yeah. <laughs> well, they are fun to use, but you have to be very, very careful. And I've had so many clients over the years that are in, in a real pickle in their lives. And, and when we get down to brass tacks, we find out it's because they're communicating in a way with their, with their significant other, their partner, their boss, and, and they're just getting themselves in trouble because they're communicating uh, in a very partial way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, you know, it, it's, that's huge, I think. Because I've, I've even found myself, too, my husband will send me a text and I'll be like, What? And then, but I'm I'm smart enough now to say something, you know, right away and say, what the heck did you mean by that? Or phone him and and kind of find out. But, you know, I've, and he didn't mean anything like what I interpreted. So if you're leaving that 93% up to someone else's interpretation, that's a little scary. (laughs) It is because... Well, you know, it's interesting because we tend as a society, and I believe this is a Western cultural phenomenon, we tend to gravitate toward the negative. And so that 93% usually or very often is misinterpreted in a negative way, and that's when things can go really sideways very quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
And I think, you know, like I said earlier, the the younger generation, I know I have two daughters and they're um, 19 and 20, and that's all they do with their boyfriends is text. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Why don't you pick up the phone and call? Like, I remember when I was a teenager, I couldn't wait (laughs) to get, but mind you then, we didn't have texts, I guess, but I couldn't wait to hear his voice on the other end, you know? Sure. It was different, it seems, but technology is, I find, you know, it's a tool to communicate better, but it's not better, you know, and even if, like, maybe in a, in a husband and wife situation, in a relationship, you know, what if somebody was to take what you were saying to other people in a whole wrong way as well, right? Like, if they were to look at your texts or see your texts and be like, oh, you know, because you're interpreting it as if you were sending it what you would think or or mean, and, right. and that's a huge fight, you know. Why are you talking to so and so like that? You know, I could that could be a problem as well. Oh, absolutely, and and uh, you know, it's interesting. I was interviewed. Uh, I think it was Reader's Digest. I'm not sure exactly. Not too very long ago, and the subject of that article was things that you should never ever communicate via text. And I think I provided a list of ten things uh, that you should just never say via text because you can get yourself in such a pickle. Uh, and, you know, we just have to be careful. And, and I said, you know, I don't want to blame the younger generation because I know a lot of people that um, in, the, in the, you know, the adult generation, the older generation that have adapted uh, texting as well. And there's nothing wrong with it. But if it's important, if it's about saying I love you or I'm breaking up or I want to marry you or I'm pregnant or, you know, I just found out mm-hmm. that I have a disease, I mean, those conversations definitely need to be reserved for personal communication, at least at the very least by phone, uh, mm-hmm. preferably uh, in person. But, yeah, it's it's just something we have to be careful about. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I think it's really helpful knowing that breakdown. And, and like you said, the, the body language and the things that our brain doesn't even, you know, we don't see it perhaps, but we can hear it or feel it. And that energy, again, you can feel that energy. The energy connects. Yeah. Um, so it's just different, <laughs> you know. I totally agree. And that that really helped me to kind of make sense of it all because I always kind of wondered, but I didn't know those, that numbers. So that's really cool that you put that out there. Um, You do have a YouTube channel um, just for the listeners because I found it. So um, it is John McGrail. You can just search that and you'll find him in there. And he's got lots and lots of good videos um, that I didn't get through nearly half of them. But the ones I did did look I really really enjoyed um I also wanted to talk a little bit about your hypnotherapy um, sure can you tell us a little bit about how you do that like I'm thinking like I know about hypnotherapy but I'm thinking in a relationship sense so if somebody had um, like trust issues or insecurity issues stuff like that would you be able to use hypnotherapy for that kind of stuff Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the beautiful thing about hypnosis is that it's a natural state of consciousness. And by the way, we all experience it every day, even we, though we don't know we're experiencing it, we do. Uh, anytime you daydream or anytime you watch a good movie and you're feeling emotions or laughing or crying or you're driving on the freeway and you don't remember how you got where you got, uh, you've been in a natural state of hypnosis. 
Um, but the beauty of hypnosis is that it, it creates a very open and receptive state of mind. So when someone has an issue, whatever it is, and, you know, many relationship issues uh, are, are, are based uh, in insecurity. One or both partners have some sort of insecurity that's, that's affecting the relationship. Uh, we can change our, our feelings. We can change our habits. We can change our attitudes our, um, very easily. And this process, hypnotherapy, uses this state of consciousness to make those changes happen quickly and profoundly for most people. And, you know, I've had people that have, are, are so shy that they, they couldn't go up to a, a gal or a guy and, and ask for a date. They would just break down into a panic attack. And, and in a few weeks, they're, they're feeling confident and they've, they've, you know, gotten their power back. So it can be used for basically any behavioral, emotional, physical, or even spiritual change that a person wants to make. And it, mm-hmm. and it works very well uh, when you work with someone that knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And especially, I think, if you, um, if you want that change, right? Like, if you Oh, that want... is, yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely, mm-hmm. Melissa. That's number one. If you don't want it, then I can't make it happen. And that's yeah. one of the things I screen for all the time. When someone calls me, I make sure that, you know, what they want to change is what they want to change, not because someone else wants them to change. That doesn't yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Now, um, I always kind of felt like hypnotherapy was somewhat like meditation. Um, Like when I've been hypnotized, it's not like you actually fall asleep, but it's like when you get into that deep meditation state where you're awake, you're aware, but your brain is somewhere else. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah, it's very, that's a very good way to describe it. And while well, first of all, hypnosis and meditation feel very similar uh, in many ways. They actually they are, are different in that they affect different parts of the brain. Okay. And the reason they, and they go really, really well together. In fact, meditation is a big part of my synthesis process because hypnosis is a beautiful tool for creating change quickly, and meditation is the very best technique or tool that anyone's ever come up with to maintain that new mindset. So the two mm-hmm. states of consciousness work very well together, and they do feel very similar. But yes, you're always awake, you're always aware, and some people, you know, have the ability of going so deeply into that state, whether it's a meditation or, or hypnosis, that you could say something to them and ask them to forget it, and they'll forget it. But mm-hmm. you, you always know that you're in control of yourself and your body. No one can make you do or think or say or feel anything you don't want to. Um, and it is a very, very powerful tool. So, yeah, when you add meditation and hypnosis together the right way, uh, the results are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I've been, I, well, I do a lot of meditation. Um, I try to make it a practice every day to do it. But um, I know for myself, I think um, mindfulness is such a huge thing. Um, and I've done uh, quite a few of my own blurbs about how I feel it's just so important because with the day and age, with technology and everything, it seems like we we do so much mindless things, you know, yes. where we need to really be mindful and be mindful especially of our time. Yes, and of course, when you think about the fact that most of us go through the day 
on what we would call autopilot, letting the subconscious mind sort of run the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't really, we aren't mindful, we're not present, we just go, we, we, we just react and we don't respond. Mm-hmm. And again, that's a big part of creating change. So mm-hmm. when, you, when you practice a consistent meditative practice, as you so well know, mm-hmm. it creates the state of mindfulness. And once you learn how to maintain it, you're so much more present in your life. And then when things happen that used to send you off in some tizzy, you can respond rather than react in a way that, that is powerful for you. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, is another big totally. part of my synthesis process is teaching my clients and students how to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think I just think it's key. I know for myself it's done huge things. For I'm a, I'm a kind of a... I, oh, I've always been a fearful person. Like, I always saw worst-case scenario, the worst thing, possible thing happening. Not that I was negative, um, but I was always prepared, I guess you could say, for the worst possible outcome. And mm-hmm. now I've learned through um, doing meditation and being mindful of everything. Now it's different because I, it's like when I go outside, I don't just go outside. I go outside, I feel the grass, I hear the birds, I hear the wind, I feel the wind. Like things are just different when you're present. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Life becomes so much more enjoyable, so much Mm -hmm. more fun. And um, for anybody who decides to try to read my book, I hope they do. Uh, The first six words of the book are rule number one, life is supposed to be fun. And -hmm. when you become mindful, it becomes a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So since this is a relationship podcast, I'm going yes. to ask you, what would be your best advice to any couples out there, relationships? Well, my very best advice is to make sure you don't keep score. Um, mm. You know, there's no, I don't know a relationship on the planet that's ever actually 50-50. It's always mm. going back and forth. Don't keep score. Communicate and make sure your core values match. And if you do those three things, very simple, uh, then the chances are you have a relationship that can last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And speaking of core values, um, I'm a I'm a huge 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 um, talker about that because I'm I I feel that um, what I would love to see happen is when you meet someone and you start feeling kind of serious about them, they should almost be given an interview to be sure that you guys have those same values. <laughs> But people don't talk about that. You know, like you think about it a year into the relationship and you're like, oh, <laughs> this guy is well, not for me. Yeah. You know, I, I totally agree with you because we all, well, you know, interestingly, there are a lot of people that don't even know what their core values are. Mm-hmm. And oh, for I sure, have yeah. many, many clients come in, they'll be complaining about their job or their career or whatever it is. And, you know, for instance, you know, I'm, I'm miserable in my job. I'm not making enough money. And then when we start working together, we find out that money is really not the issue at all. They're in the wrong job because their core values for their profession aren't being met. Maybe they want to be creative and they're in a very structured environment or they want a very structured environment and they're being asked to do things without any supervision. And the mm-hmm. same thing goes with relationships. One of the things that I, t- I talk about all the time is that if you get into a relationship and you start feeling serious about, about the other person, 
but you have some buts. But he or she, if he would only or she would only do this, or when he or she sees the light, then everything's mm-hmm. going to be good. Well, folks, yeah. they never see the light. That means yeah. you've got a conflict in your core values, and that is always going to be painful. It's going to be a rocky road, and it usually leads to the dissolution of the relationship. So you're right, whether it's an interview or whatever, make sure that your partner, if you're thinking about really getting serious, has a similar set of core values because then those are the, those are the attributes of life that you will not trade off. You must have them. Yeah. Those are, that's what I mean by core values. Then the rest, the compromises are, are easy. It's effortless. And the relationship yeah. becomes effortless. Yeah, but the major things are not going to be. I can remember working with a client. Um, I had her write down a list of what she didn't, what she wasn't getting from her partner. Mm-hmm. And she wrote it all down. And then I got her to write a list of what she values. And she wrote that down. And when I compared the two lists, <laughs> they go hand in hand. You know, he wasn't good with finances and she values security. So, you know, there's those things don't change because if your values are on a different level, then that's where they are. You know, exactly. that's something that we're kind of, that's put into us when we're young, you know, from how we grow up and all this. And you can't just expect a person to change. So you either have to deal with it and shut up or you have to walk away, right? And you can't just deal with it if it comes down to your values. It doesn't work like that. No, absolutely not. And yeah. I couldn't say it any better. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's something that, and this is is this this is all in your book, I'm assuming as well, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. In fact, I I share a lot of stories in the book uh, about uh, people like you and me. In fact, I share a lot of my own story because there was a period of time when I was not a very happy camper in in the game of life, and and I had some real issues. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I speak freely about them, not not just in the book, but to my clients because uh, it you know I don't I don't like the concept of, a, of, of some big guru talking down to people, you know, yeah. we're all, we're all the same. I'm a regular guy. I've learned some yeah. things, some of them the hard way. And uh, it's really about sharing the, those things. So yeah. uh, in the book, you'll see lots of stories of real people that have gone through these kinds of issues, relationship issues, career issues, uh, insecurities, self-confidence, limiting beliefs about themselves. Like I don't deserve to have a good relationship. I'm not worthy. Uh, mm-hmm. And, of course, none of it's really true, but it feels that way. And yeah. we talk about values a lot throughout the book, and the models of synthesis are designed to help people get in touch with those values and to really understand themselves. And once you really understand and you really like, or I would say love yourself, then you can be ready for Mr. or Miss Wright to walk into your life and spend right. uh, the happily ever after days that we all wish for so much. Yeah. Well, and once you know yourself, your energy changes too, right? Like it's right back to the energy and then you will attract that person that's going to value you and and all this rather than attracting the person that treats you like crap because you treat yourself like crap. <laughs> that's it. We're right back where we started, the law of attraction. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, exactly. So, tr- it's so true. Mm-hmm. And most of us are taught not to like ourselves very much. We're, we're not born that way. We're born completely, totally, absolutely in love with ourselves, as we yeah. should be. 
And then it gets beaten out of us by usually well-intentioned but very often misinformed people, our parents, Mm -hmm. our teachers, our friends, whatever, our siblings. And we learn to be really down on ourselves. And we're very, very good at that. I'll just repeat what I said a little while ago. Modern Western culture, which we are all products of, Mm -hmm. is is singularly talented at focusing on the dark side of of the positive-negative equation because everything is positive or negative. Contrast rules us. And we tend to go to the negative, which just ingrained in our DNA almost in this day and age. And so, yes, you learn to love yourself, then you can get love from someone else. It's just that simple. And and there's no substitute for it. No. And you know the other thing that I've learned um, with – I do a support group. Uh, for self-love on my Facebook group. And what I've learned is when, and I've learned this in my own life too, is when you start to get to know yourself and you set up boundaries and your energy changes, a lot of the times people will break away from you because they're not ready to move with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always tell people that that's okay because they have a choice. They can come with you or they can stay where they are. But you can't stay back for them. You have to go forward for yourself. And if they eventually they may catch up. You never know. <laughs> but right. they may stay back there forever. And that's something that you can't control because you can only control you. Absolutely. And what happens, and I, I certainly you know, hope we're not scaring anybody, but when you make these kinds of changes, and as you say, your energy rises, you, you, you start living on a higher energetic level. A lot, some of the people, not necessarily a lot, but some of the people in your life aren't going to come with you because they're still at a lower energetic level. But what happens is you begin to attract other people at this higher energetic level and it all gets better and better and better. And yeah, yeah, they may catch up and they may not. And if they don't, it's okay. Don't hold yourself back. Yeah, because that's and don't not what try we're to pull them with you either, because they're just going to resent you in the end. <laughs> well, that, that's a fact. Yeah, great. I'm glad you made that point. That, that never works. Mm-hmm. Never, ever, no. ever. No, it's just like trying to change someone. I wrote an article about um, about men. What do men want? A friend of mine said I wrote one of two men about what women want, and I asked a friend what he thought of it, and he said it sounds like a woman wrote it for a woman and I was like oh that's not really where I wanted to go with that (laughs) I wanted to be helpful to men right and he says how about you write what men want and I'm like I have no clue I'm not a man and then I got thinking I'm like well men are human so they gotta want human things (laughs) and and I was thinking about it from that perspective and that's one of the things I put in there is I don't think men want to be controlled Nobody wants to be controlled. So if you think you need to change a guy or you need things to change, then that's a problem. <laughs> you know, men, nobody wants to be controlled. And a man especially doesn't want to be parented. So, you know, that's, there's nothing sexy about that. So let's not control them. Let's, we can have our input and discuss things, but we don't have to change people because it just doesn't work. Right, absolutely. And I, I really do think it goes both ways. I think mm-hmm. regardless of your gender, no one wants to be yeah. controlled. People, everyone wants to be loved, uh, yeah. and, and we are all deserving of being loved. But mm-hmm. uh, no, no one wants to be controlled, and it's just, it's just a horrible way to, to conduct a relationship. So I, I totally agree with you. But I, I don't think men want too many things that are different 
than women no. in general. There, there are some, yeah. obviously, you know, stereotypes we could talk about, but I don't like to do that. No, and I think, you know, and it would, it all, there's so many different variations as well, right? Like a man that is self-conscious would be different than a man that's clueless, you know, like just still kind of lost and not sure where he's at, you know, just as the same with a woman. You know, you talk to a woman that is very loving herself and you then talk to another woman that doesn't love herself at all and they're just different people. So they have different values and they need different things. So it's kind of a, you can't really break it down as to one gender or the other, other than maybe some different quirks here and there. But um, I know him and I talked about um, when a woman always seems to have feelings, whereas a man is like, what's the problem? I'll fix it. (laughs) Tell me about feelings. Just tell me how I can fix it. And I got thinking about it. That really actually kind of makes sense because we're all stuck in this kind of, not all of us, but some women are very emotional on that emotional side where a man is like just logical. (laughs) And in my own relationship, I've I've done the same thing with my husband. I'm like, you're not meeting my needs. And he's like, well, what do you need? (laughs) Don't tell me you're not meeting my needs. Tell me what I need to do to fix this. And, right. and he would get frustrated with me. And in the early days of our marriage, it was bad. It was toxic. But now I'm like, okay, I need to, this is how I have to lay it out for him. If I need something, I have to just straight up say, this is what I need. And then he can ask questions from there. <laughs> right. And again, that, that, that tendency uh, also t- tends, in my experience, to, to go across our genders. Um, there, there, you know, and, and, you know, speaking of needs, there's a difference between, you know, needing certain things to fit your values and being needy, needing someone to validate you so that you feel okay. And that's another deadly, deadly uh, danger in relationships when you need someone to fill the holes in your spirit, which goes back to what we were talking about with self-love. I, I work with a lot of people. Uh, both men and women who are very needy. If they don't have a relationship, they don't feel in whole. And what I help them do is to find that self-validation so that, that they can then go out and share the power of a relationship and not give their power away to somebody because that can be really horrible. Yeah, and that's exactly what happens, right? They put all that weight on, you know, I have to have somebody to make me happy. I have to... If that person's gone, taken away, are they not happy? That's not what <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I couldn't. I've always been very independent. So for me, I've, I've been smart that way, I guess. Or very lucky that you are that way. Um, yeah. And you didn't have to go through that needy period, and so many people do. And, it, again, it just doesn't ever work very well for a very long period of time. And then if the person that you, quote, need leaves, you're back right where you started from. You still have the holes in your psyche or your spirit. But when you fill them up, if that person leaves, you're still okay. It hurts, but it doesn't hurt. It's not deadly, painful. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So what is your website so that um, our listeners can can get in touch with you? Well, I have two, Melissa. Uh, if people are more interested in the hypnotherapy part, 
my, my hypnotherapy website is just that, hypnotherapy, all spelled out, Los Angeles, all spelled out, dot com. And okay. then I have another site, drjohnmcgrail.com, which is more geared toward the, the bigger picture, the synthesis process and um, my media endeavors, uh, uh, radio and TV and that sort of thing, and, and life coaching. But uh, either way, I am very reachable through my sites. My phone number is pasted all over every page. Uh, my email address is on the site. And if anybody that's listening to this has any questions uh, and, or they'd like to discuss anything further, please feel free to, free to reach out to me. I promise you will get a confidential and personal response from me, and there's never any obligation. Uh, but I, I always offer that, and I'd be delighted to, to provide that uh, if anyone has more questions or or whatnot, and I and thank you for mentioning my YouTube channel. I'm really proud of the series, A Better You, in a minute or two, that video series, and there are, I think, 40 episodes now, and, and another one's probably going to be produced this week. Um, and just little tips and tricks to help people live their lives more powerfully on a day-to-day basis, and there are very short videos, a few minutes each, and um, people seem to enjoy them. And if yeah. anybody signs up for my newsletter on my website, they'll automatically start receiving them whenever they're oh, produced. I, Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, John. It's been a pleasure to chat with you and and to have you on my podcast. I definitely appreciate it very much. Well, Melissa, I am just thrilled that you had me on. I really, really appreciate the invitation. And, you know, you're providing a great service. Uh, And to be a small part of that service by being a guest on your show is a delight for me. And if you ever want to do another one, just let me know because we just scratched the surface. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. That's what I said. There's so much. When I was looking through your website, it's like, I want to talk about everything. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have questions? Are you feeling lost and confused about what path you should take? The psychics at Psychic Text Readers are honest and are to the point. They will help you through anything you need help with. Check them out now at www.psychictextreaders.com.